The NFL's opening week was action-packed, and fans, it's just getting started. Get ready for week two of touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins with the DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly. Want even more action? Then get in on the experience, the thrill of the DraftKings early win promotion. It's simple. This Sunday, bet on any NFL team to win. If your team leads by 10, at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team ends up losing. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use that promo code AOD to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code AOD only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply if you or someone you know has a gambling problem. Crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER in Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, or Wyoming. 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona or 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado or New Hampshire. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 877-HOPE-NY in New York. OPGR.org in Oregon. Call text Tennessee Redline at 1-800-889-9789 or 1-888-538 to 3500 in Virginia. Welcome to our GSP Ace of the Day segment presented by DraftKings. While I'd love to be able to come on this show and claim perfection in each and every one of our selections, sadly, that is not the case. Now, We are 3-3, up 0.02 units, or essentially even on the week thus far. And as always, I'm going to take a glass-half-full perspective to that record. We've now had the opportunity to watch every player compete at least once this week. We've had the opportunity to get a grasp on the various conditions we see at this week's events happening around the globe. Of course, as I've alluded to on prior shows this week, we've got five tour-level events that we're monitoring here on this segment. Of course, we've got three ATP tour level events. You've got the action in Seoul, South Korea, Tel Aviv, Israel, and Sofia, Bulgaria. Area, of course, on the women's side. We've got two 250s as well. A little late September red clay action in Italy. We've also got the indoor hardcourt action happening in Estonia, as always. Remains a thrilling time to be a fan of all things pro tennis. And certainly, you look at the players who have been competing this week. We've had top 10 folks like Annette Conteve, top 10 folks. Leave that in because that's a fascinating way for me to have chosen to refer to top 10 players. But we've got top 10 folks such as Annette Conteve, Maria Sakkari, who have both been pushed in their early round matches, yet both managing to advance to round two of their respective events. We've had players like Barbara Krachikova after six months of struggles. She's finally starting to look like herself once again was exceptional in a first round victory over Isla Tamjanovic in Estonia of course things are only going to get trickier for Krachikova as she is next going to face talented young WTA player Marta Kostyuk and we see matchups like that all over the globe in the coming days you've got many a talented players who have either already broken out 
in this 2022 season, or you've got a plethora of players who are also trying to reestablish their presence heading into 2023. That wide cast, wide variety of players all experiencing success this week as such. Again, fantastic time to be a fan of all things in the pro tennis world. And of course, here on today's show, what I want to do for all of you tennis fans is preview the next 24 hours in the professional tennis world, run you through all the matchups that are happening at each of these various events, tell you what you need to watch if you want to have the best grasp of everything happening in the pro tennis world this week. And then, of course, as always, I want to offer you my GSP Aces of the Day. My picks, my winners, I see on the board. Again, we are 3-3, three and three, a .02 units, essentially even on the week through two days of picks. As always, the goal, finish each week with a 60 percent win percentage finish each week in the positives from a unit perspective. And I recently received a question on Twitter. I just want to clarify for all of you GSP listeners. When I say I'm betting half a unit, I'm betting a full unit, I'm betting 1.3 units. What does that mean in an actual money sense? Well, you know, unit is the measurement I or how I refer to the measurement of what your typical wage, uh, typical wager is for each and every bet that you place. For instance, if you are someone who likes to bet twenty bucks on any given match, then for you, one unit is twenty dollars. If you're someone who likes to bet a hundred bucks, one unit is you know half a unit in that instance is fifty dollars. Or maybe you're someone who just likes to put up the big bucks. You like to put your money where your mouth is. Maybe you put a thousand dollars, ten thousand dollars down on these matches. If you're doing that, DM me because I think I have a better way for you to spend your money moving forward. And Spoiler alert, it's going to be on me, but no, more broadly, again, I just wanted to translate when I say I'm wagering a unit on each of these matches, what does that mean when I say that unit wager? Just so now, you should all have a little bit of clarity uh, when you are hearing that moving forward. But again, enough rambling through this introduction. What I want to do here on today's show, as always, is preview the next 24 hours of action in the pro tennis world. Offer my aces of the day. I've got two aces for all of you listeners here on today's show. I want to look at the rest of the board as well. So with that in mind, via the resources we receive from our friends at the DraftKings Sportsbook, whom we are immensely grateful for their support of this daily podcast, let's get into it. Here are my GSP aces of the day. Let's start with Emil Rusevori. Rusevori, a familiar name to many of you Cracked Rackets fans. Of course, Rusevori, 23 years old. I don't want to say he's been a breakout star during this 2022 season, but he has been someone who has clearly progressed in his game and taken a step forward from a rankings perspective. You look for Rusevori, who I don't want to say was a fringe top 100 player, but was still looking to solidify his spot in the top 100 moving forward at the start of the year. Rusevori has has done precisely that this season. Currently ranked number 54 in the ATP rankings, Rusevori reached a career high of number 42 back in the middle of July. You look for Rusevori, 36 and 27 overall on the year. Is that accomplishing the two-thirds rule? We like to talk about here at Crack Rackets. No, he hasn't made a ton of quarterfinals here this year. He's not, you know, uh, quickly ascending. Uh, you know, the two-thirds rule applies to people who race up the rankings. For Rusevori, it's been a little slower, a little steadier, been more, you know, 
tortoise than hare in his climb in that ATP top 100. But you know, you win 57, 58, 59% of your matches, you still should be able to continue to progress up the rankings. And again, that's precisely what Rusevori has managed to do. He's established himself as a top 75 player this season. And with all due respect, two players who are competing at the challenger level, because here at Crack Rackets, we have immense amounts of respect, not only for those players, but for the level of play we see at challengers week in, week out. Rusevori doesn't need to do that anymore. He's proven he has the weapons, whether it be his server, perhaps more foundationally, the whip he's able to generate on both wings of his ground strokes. The forehand is just special. The backhand, he continues to become more and more fluid hitting that ball on the run. When he leans into that ball, it can absolutely be a weapon. Perhaps some of you listeners have heard me say this before. I refer to Emil Rusevori before, not before. Hey, great shot. English. There we go. Struggle number one of the day. You've heard me call Emil Rusevori diet Yannick Sinner. You know, Yannick Sinner 0.85. I think that's the sort of firepower Rusevori sincerely has from the baseline. And it's that natural, that easy for him to generate that firepower repeatedly. You look again for Rusevori, 36 and 27 overall on the season. His biggest results this year. Coming at the start in Pune, India, where he was able to reach the final before getting knocked out by Souza. You look for him over the course of the past few weeks. And, you know, tough results for him at some of the hard court slams this year, but tough draws for him at those slams as well. First round loss at the Australian Open to Felix, but that five-set match was one of the better matches we saw at the slams this year. Ask any of the tennis nerds, they'll agree with you. I also thought tough first-round matchup for him against Jack Draper. Draper possesses the sort of weapons that can still expose the biggest weakness in Rusevori's game, which he is certainly improved upon this season. But for Rusevori, he's not the most natural mover. He is a little bit stiff in the hips, requires a little bit extra effort for him to get in and out of corners. And I think he hits well when he is in those corners. But again, Rusevori so clearly at his best when he has his feet set under him, when he's able to move his momentum forward. He's a guy who wants to be staying on script. Not that he can't improvise, point in, point out, but when you're on script, Emil Rusevori is usually giving you the business. It's when you can force him into the outer third, spread the court against him, that you have the opportunity to get him in a little bit of trouble, or you have to have the elite weapons. Think of guys like Felix, like the big serving lefty, Jack Draper, Chilich, who beat him in three sets at Cincinnati, Hercots, who beat him at three sets in Canada. Those guys have elite weapons. As such, they're able to expose the limited mobility. Not, it's not a hindrance. Uh, again, it's it's not a, a significant issue for Rusevori, but it's it's a slight problem for him, movement perspective, against elite, elite competition. But look for Rusevori tomorrow in Tel Aviv, with all due respect to Constant Lestien, who has been one of the lower level, but one of the you know minor league breakout stars, if that makes sense. Lestien making five challenger finals. I believe this season has three challenger finals, is inside the top 70, top 65 for the first time in his career. And Lestien earned a pretty impressive first round victory in Tel Aviv, six and four over Adrian Manorino, a match where he won 86% of his first serve points despite making only 47% of his first serves, faced just three break points throughout the course of the match, was only broken once. There's no doubt Lestien is having a career season, but you look for Rusevori. Here are the big numbers and why I think he's going to dominate tomorrow's matchup. You look for Rusevori. This season, I mentioned the 36-27 and 27 overall. He's 29-10 and 10 against opponents ranked outside the top 50. 
You want to move that to hard court specifically, and of course, Tel Aviv, an indoor, quicker hard court, which plays perfectly to Rusevori's game style. Rusevori 17-6 and six against opponents ranked outside the top 50 this season on hard courts. He's won his last four in a row against non-top 50 opponents on hard courts as well. And, you know, again, you look at who some of those non top 50 losses were two earlier this season. You lose, you know, a match to a guy like Jack Draper, who's now firmly ensconced inside the top 50. I think we all know a guy like David Goffin, who he lost to earlier this year as well as a top 50 player. When healthy, he loses a non-top 50 match to Holgaruna. Holgaruna now obviously pretty comfortably inside that top 50. The point is, unless you have something elite to disrupt the rhythm of Emil Rusevori, he's going to make you pay. And in particular for Rusevori against non-top 50 opponents, he's breaking serve 29% of the time. If translated more broadly to his entire resume, that 29% break percentage would rank fourth amongst top 50 players this season. His hold percentage also jumps by 2.5% when playing opponents ranked outside the top 50 versus playing opponents within the top 50. That makes sense. His serve, which is not his biggest strength, that second serve can sit up and can be attacked by elite returners. But again, you got to do something elite to knock off Emil Rusevori, particularly this season, particularly on hard courts. And with all due respect to Lestien, who, again, has been exceptional here in 2022. 46 and 22 overall, the two-thirds rule applies. That's why he's up to a new career high, excuse me, number 68, not number 64. He's, you know, a remarkable 40 and 17 overall at challengers this season, 33 and nine in challenger matches played on hard courts. That said, you look for him, ATP level action here this season. He's three and one overall quarterfinal in San Diego, beat Tabilo and Holt before getting knocked out by Dan Evans. Obviously, the win over Adrian Manorino here in Tel Aviv. You look for Lestien, just 4-7, and seven, though, overall in his career at the ATP Tour level. Now, he's won three of his last four. I acknowledge that. But with all due respect to Tabilo, with all due respect to Holt, with all due respect to the Tel Aviv version of Adrian Manorino, I just don't think any of those opponents bring the consistent relentless firepower of Rusevori. And with all due respect to Lestien, who you look overall on the season at the challenger level, he's also breaking serve 32.6% of the time. And that, you know, has ridden that number, which would rank second behind just Schwartzman amongst top 50 players, uh, has ridden that number of success, uh, uh, ridden that number to all of his challenger success. But even in his best days, Lestian, not the biggest of servers, holding just 75.6% of the time at the challenger level. That number drops to 66.7% of the time at the ATP level. You know, the average ATP top 50 player holds 82.1% of the time. You're more than 5% below that number. You have a below average serve. And with all due respect, you give uh, Emil Rusevori enough cracks to tee off on the return of serve. He's just going to kill you over time. And again, on indoor hard courts, I think this surface helps amplify Rusevori's weakness, which can be that serve on a slower outdoor court. I just like Rusevori through every aspect of this match. So give me Emil Rusevori to advance tomorrow in Tel Aviv. You look, according to the Tennis Abstract uh, singles forecast, Rusevori just a 57.3% favorite. Tennis Abstract respecting the challenger success of Lestien this season. That said, Rusevori minus 275, according to the 
DraftKings money line. By the way, he's actually gone up. He was minus 250 when I was looking earlier. So shout out to the late gamblers who saw that money line and put a little extra something on Rusevori. That has me thinking that directionally I'm on the right path. Let's back Emil Rusevori. Minus 130. We're going to go with 1.3 units to win one in return. That, my friends, is going to be ace of the day number one in Tel Aviv. You look quickly just to put a bow, I suppose, on this Tel Aviv action. The matches we have in play tomorrow, Novak Djokovic, not even offered. You can get him minus seven and a half games, minus six and a half games tomorrow against Pablo Andujar. You know, Djokovic ultimately didn't play doubles on Wednesday as his partner, Jonathan Ehrlich, forced to withdraw due to injury. I mean, I expect Djokovic to cruise, particularly against Andahar, particularly on indoor hard courts, which he just played a week of at Laver Cup. Djokovic says he's healthy. I expect him to prove that tomorrow in Tel Aviv. You look at some of the other matchups, Botik van de Sinschkulp versus Liam Brody, two guys. Spent a lot of the past three years at the challenger level. Obviously, Botik has gone about establishing himself at the ATP level these past 12 months. He's just a top 50 guy. Has been for a year. I think he will be moving forward as well. He's minus 475 tomorrow. Now, if you want to gamble on BVDZ, and we got him earlier in the week and he delivered us a victory, you can take the minus three and a half games, which is really just a straight set, one break per uh, set sort of victory. You can take that minus 475 money line all the way down to minus 180. That's just still a little bit too rich for my blood. The other matchups, Rinder Kanesh, Plus 110 tomorrow against Schwartzman. Schwartzman was minus 130. He's now minus 145. I don't know, though. Indoor hard courts, do you think Schwartzman looked good at Laver Cup? Do you think he's looked good on hard courts this season? I think he's like 9-8 and eight, or maybe now 10-8 and eight overall on hard courts for the year. Upset alert for Rinder Kanesh. And if anything, I'm taking the over in that match. Over two and a half sets at plus uh, 125 overall. And then Pospisil versus Eden Lashem. All due respect to both of those players. I'm not touching that from a gambling perspective. For what it's worth, though, uh, Vashik Pospisil, an 85.4% favorite over the Israeli qualifier. With that said, that's your action happening tomorrow in Tel Aviv. I want to get to previewing the rest of the action happening around the globe. But first, let's get to ace of the day number two. And ace of the day number two comes via the always tricky to predict Jill Teichman. And even as I say this pick out loud, I'm getting a little nervous because that's just the Jill Teichman effect. As good as Jill Teichman can be, and you look for her this season, 22-19 and 19 overall, of course, most prominently for Teichman over the course of the past year, making that Cincinnati final uh, back at the end of 2021. Of course, start of this year, she uh, was in pretty good form as well. Quarterfinals of Dubai, semifinals of Madrid, quarterfinals of Rome, fourth round Roland Garros. She actually is a top five player in terms of top 20 wins here in this 2022 season. Uh, so far this year, Jill Teichman, eight and four against top 20 players. But that means she's 15 and 18 against opponents ranked outside the top 20. And that speaks to the hot and cold nature. On the right week, in the right moment, the lefty Teichman is going to look exceptional. She's going to be hitting her first serve, you know, sliding you so far wide off the court that she just has such an open runway to play the plus one ball with. And it doesn't matter, forehand wing. And yes, that forehand can get a little bit big. Backhand, how she gets her hands outside the ball and can generate angle on the cross court. You know, the lefty Teichman... 25 years old, she is just a dangerous opponent, regardless of who she's playing. That's why she is top five in terms of top 20 wins here on the season. At the same time, no one can 
that's not true, not no one, but few people can rack up 15 unforced errors in 16 minutes of play, quite like Jill Teichman, who, again, not afraid to spray and have those unforced errors pile up. And certainly that has been the case in some of her difficult losses this season. You look for Teichman. She's uh, lost eight of her last 12 matches. Now, some of those losses not too shabby. You know, I believe of those eight losses, four of them ended up coming in three sets. And, you know, you see losses to Kvitova in Cincinnati. She made the final there, lost to Halep in Toronto. Halep won the title there, lost to Tomjanovic at Wimbledon. Tomjanovic made the quarterfinals there in a vacuum. In a bubble, some of these individual losses, not that bad in retrospect, but it's always tricky to ride that Jill Teichman roller coaster because it can get hot and cold. That said, I thought she looked really good in a round one victory over Laura Siegemann, 6476. Yes, she was broken three times, but you know, was over 60% in all three of her serving splits. Made 63% of her first serves, won 69% of her first serve points, 64% of her second serve points. She just looked in control. And again, on the weeks Teichman is in control, she makes finals of Cincinnati. She makes semifinals in the Middle East, or you know, she made the final in the Middle East last year. Uh, before get or was that the final or the semifinal? Honestly, at this point, they all blend together. The point is, Jill Teichman can play some ball when she's playing her best tennis, and I think the 25-year-old might just be in one of those weeks this uh, in uh, this week. Excuse me, in uh, Tallinn. And it's a Tallinn to Lynn. I've been told both. So at Crack Rackets, at Al Gruskin, you know where to find me if you'd like to correct me appropriately, uh, accordingly. I like Teichman, though, tomorrow, as she's going to take on the qualifier as Lean Bonaventure. Bonaventure, obviously, the impressive 4-4 four four win in round number one over Shelby Rogers. Just had Shelby moving side to side. Didn't allow Shelby to play her definitive plus one tennis, but... That said, you look for Bonaventure, who uh, currently enters this, you know, was 138 entering the event. You look for Bonaventure. She is 2-1 against Teichman, but, you know, the last matchup between the two of them came in 2019, over three years ago. And with all due respect to that track record for Bonaventure, Teichman going from age 22 to age 25 at the time of this fourth matchup. A lot has changed in the world of Jill Teichman. I just think... With all due respect to the lefty Bonaventure, I just don't know if she moves well enough to handle the heaviness of the Jill Teichman ball. I think Teichman, on the right day, can do the perfect combination of spreading the court, opening up alleys for herself with angles, and then using the power tennis she's capable of producing to drive through the court as well. Again, from a matchup perspective, I just think Teichman's all over Bonaventure tomorrow. I don't, I don't, I, it's not that Bonaventure didn't play well against Shelby Rogers. It's that Shelby really didn't play well against Bonaventure. And with all due respect to Bonaventure, who did a great job making Shelby uncomfortable and coaxing the plethora of backhand errors we saw from Shelby out of Shelby, I just think Teichman's playing better. I think from a matchup perspective, again, lefty on lefty, there were things Bonaventure was able to was able to do to open up the court against Keys. Those things uh, become closed when you're taking on an opponent, uh, a fellow lefty such as Jill Teichman. And, you know, again, you look for Bonaventure here this season against top, uh, again, her career, 7-12 and 12 against top 50 opponents. Now, she's 1-1 one and one against the top 50 here this season. But, again, I'm back in Teichman. I think this is going to be one of the good weeks uh, for the 25-year-old. And you look at the money line tomorrow, Teichman currently sitting at minus 150. That's tempting. Or... 
we could just rock with the minus two and a half game spread, which again, as I've alluded to, I don't think Teichman's going to win this match six and six. I think she wins it in straight sets, and I think she pulls away in the second set just again. We'll have the court just opened enough that Bonaventure's legs eventually give out as this match go on. Give me Teichman. Minus two and a half games over Bonaventure, minus 115. We're going to throw half a unit on that to win 0.43 in return. By the way, Rusevori's minus three and a half game spread over Lestien, minus 130. We're going to full the throw, uh, throw the full 1.3 units to win one unit in return. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. That said, those are your two aces of the day. Let's now look at the rest of the board as it should be an exciting 24 hours coming up in the pro tennis world. Of course, I'm recording this Wednesday morning here, Pacific time. It's 11.18 a.m. Eastern as of me speaking. You know, there's still some good matches out there on court. Certainly Barbara Krachikova versus Marta Kostyuk, a 5-4 lead uh, in that round of 16 battle in Tallinn, of course. Uh, as you look elsewhere at the matchups tomorrow, Conteve, minus 340 against Martin Sova. Martin Sova is sneaky good, sneaky powerful, particularly on indoor hard courts. You look at the career head-to-head. Yes, Conteve's 2-0, but... I would not lay, I, you know, I would not throw Conteve in a parlay tomorrow. Minus 340 scares me. Um, I would probably go with the over in this match, over two and a half sets, plus 145, over uh, 21 and a half games you can get as well. Um, and, you know, again, that's minus 115. Those are probably the two wagers I like best revolving around that match. Now, I do think Conteve will win. Because Martin Sova, powerful, but not incredibly consistent. I think for Conteve, if you provide her some power, she's so good at spreading the court, so good at absorbing your first strike. I think it's a good matchup for Conteve, but I think that one goes over. I think Jung Shui, minus 195, 33-year-old, has been having a career season. She's the favorite for obvious reasons, against Donna Vekic. She's 4-1 against Donna Vekic in her career, a 61.8% favorite according to the Tennis Abstract Singles forecast. Again, minus 195, just a little too much juice for me on that one. You can get Jung Shui tomorrow on the game spread at pretty, uh, pretty comfortable cost. You can get, you know, minus half a game tomorrow and or minus one and a half games, and you can get that under minus 150. That said... Vekic is the more powerful of the two players, and Jung Shui has played a lot of tennis over the course of the past month, six weeks. So I take the over or I stay away from that one. That said, again, very fun round two matches set up for tomorrow. And certainly you look at some of our potential quarterfinal matchups that, you know, we might get a nice... And Bencic-Bolter tomorrow is certainly going to be a fun matchup, but, you know, that you can get some of the other ones uh, moving. Or not Bencic-Bolter, Bencic obviously beating Katie Bolter earlier today, but Bencic getting the winner of Jung Shui Vekic is fun. Haddad Maya getting the winner of Krachikova Kostyuk all in on that. Karolina Mukova still alive, and Lee Kaya Kanepi. Straws loaded in Tallinn, and honestly, this might be my single favorite draw of any of our five tour-level events. So lock in, folks, as certainly we will have coverage for that on our mini-break podcast, and I believe I'm going to be on the broadcast for some of those matches tomorrow via our friends at T2. That said, that's your action in Tallinn 
to Lynn, to Lean, again, at Al Gruskin. Let me know whether I'm right or wrong. Let's move over now to the action coming up in Parma. We've got a couple of our quarterfinal sets. Uh, Maria Sakari going to take on Marina Zanevska. Zanevska, she's just so consistent. Like, again, no definitive weakness. You have to play well to beat her. I don't know if Sakari is playing well enough to do that right now. You look at some of the other matchups, and we're going to have our quarterfinal set. Meyer Sharif going to take on Lauren Davis. Arena Camilla Begu going to take on, uh, I believe, Anna Bogdan. And then Danka Kavinich, impressive three-set upset today over Sloane Stephens. She will take on either Paulini or Cochiaretta, who are still battling as of this recording. In fact, don't even have odds yet for tomorrow's Parma match. So I apologize for that. I'll try to update all of that on today's mini break podcast episode so that we can play a little bit of catch up there. That said, that is your WTA action tomorrow. Already went through the ATP Tel Aviv stuff. Let's look at the action in Seoul. Fun, fun day of tennis on the ATP side in South Korea. You've got, you know, top. 15 players in the world in action. Cam Norrie, huge favorite over Kaichi Uchida. Casper Ruud, I think he's got a sneaky tough match tomorrow. Nicolas Jari, serve, forehand. I don't care who he's playing. They can be the biggest weapons on the court against anyone when he plays his best. Now, the Ruud serve, forehand combination, not too shabby itself and far more consistent than what we've seen from Nicolas Jari not only over the course of the past year, but honestly, through both of their careers. That said... I could see Yari serving well. I think those soul courts are high bouncing. I think that rewards Yari. It rewards Rude as well. I could see six and six, five and five in this match. And I take the over 22 and a half games in the uh, 21 and a half games, excuse me, at uh, you take over to 22 and a half, you get plus 100. You take odds, uh, you take over 21 and a half, it's minus 120. That's probably my favorite wager of that match. But yeah, I mean, again. Two top 15 players. Taylor Fritz, your Indian Wells champion, taking on Mackie McDonald. Fritz, 2-1 and one in the career head-to-head, but two Southern Californiers, or two Californiers. I think Mackie might be NoCal, actually. NorthCal. I think it's NorCal, SoCal, whatever they call it. NoCal, SoCal. Uh, either way, California and Korea. Certainly going to be a fun matchup. I'd go over there. Brooksby, Quan. I mean, how does Brooksby hurt Quan? And vice versa, how does Quan hurt Brooksby? That match feels like it's two and a half hours across the board. Quan going to be aggressive, certainly going to enjoy the opportunity to play in front of a home crowd. I'm looking forward to that matchup. I think that one goes the distance. I'll take the over there. Of course, massive opportunity for Tsung Shin Sin uh, as he is taking on Alexander Kovacevic. Yeah. That one's going to be good as well, folks. Um, Kova, probably his serve, his forehand, the two biggest weapons on the court. Sung, more experienced. Sung, also more consistent and drives his backhand far more consistently and with better depth than Kovacevic. That said, buckling in on that match. And, of course, Shapovalov still alive as well. He's going to take on Radu Elbot. Let's see if Shapo can find some consistency to end the year. And then, last but certainly not least... Sophia action, you know, my check versus Ota, the Oscar Ota serve to the my check forehand is just going to be tough for my check to deal with. That's why Ota is the minus 165 favorite. Umber, Struff, who knows what's going to happen in that match. If you're betting on Umber, Struff, with all due respect, call the various hotlines we plug at the beginning of this show because something's wrong with you. That match screams. Stay away. Snegaruna, I'll take the over. Eventually, you wonder for Snego's body. He wins the title last week. It's a lot of tennis over a two-week span. Runa's certainly going to test him physically. I'd go Runa plus 10 money line if I'm going to wager on that match or take the over, but that's a stay away. 
Big lefty Hoosler, plus 310 against Pablo Carreño Busta. Got a little upset alert there. Sinner versus Nuno is for us nerds. You know we love that here at Crack Rackets. And then, again, if you're betting on Vukic versus Verdasco, uh, reach out to me in the DMs because I'm happy to talk you through why you're making a massive mistake and why you've, you can make some better life choices moving forward than spending emotional energy on that match. With that said, though, you should spend emotional energy on Thursday's tennis because it's going to be a delightful day of action. And of course, we'll recap it all over on our mini break podcast feed where we try to keep you listeners up to date on everything happening in the tennis world. Of course, shout out to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the fuck editing job he does day in, day out, making all of our content possible shout out as well to our friends at tennis point remember it's tennis-point.com the promo code is cr15 with that said for our super producer daniel westoff our friends at DraftKings, and from all of us here and i said tennis point i meant DraftKings. shout out to our friends at tennis point separately but shout out to our friends at DraftKings as well and for them and from all of us here at both crack rackets and the tennis channel podcast network i'm your host alex gruskin again your aces of the day rusivori minus three and a half games over less dn minus 130 1.3 units to win one in return and jill teichman minus two and a half games over bonaventure minus 115 half a unit to win 0.4 three with that said you know what we say may the odds be ever in your favor good luck everyone